Hi, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. Before we begin, I'd love to thank several sponsors. I'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network first. You can find all their stuff at bgn.fm. They're responsible for getting many great USL podcasts out, so please give them a look. Also go to firebirdsoccer.net. This is the new website for our former Firebird Rising coverage, so you can find all sorts of great coverage for Phoenix Rising FC and other soccer-related news in the state of Arizona, all at firebirdsoccer.net. And lastly, we would like to thank Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is a uh, sponsor for, you know, MLS teams, USL teams, all sorts of other stuff. So go to Roughneck Scarves and find a scarf today. And now let's get on to the show. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Rising is One podcast. I am joined again by Aaron Blau and Kyle Mackey. How are you guys doing? It's a great day. I'm doing great, you know. Great day after... uh, I'll let you go, Aaron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, Great day after uh, after a Firebird win here. Unfortunately, uh, tempered a little bit by an ASU loss, although it was expected. But uh, that's, that's for a different podcast, I suppose. Yeah, go to yeah. Speak of the Devils if you want to hear all about that. But uh, we are here talking Phoenix Rising, and we're here talking about another great road win. This one was 2-1 over Colorado Springs. Before we dive right into it, we'd like to thank our sponsors, the Arizona Sports Complex. Located in Glendale, right near the 17 and 101 intersection, they have air conditioning inside. They have leagues for people of all ages. So go over there, let them know that the Rising's One podcast sent you, and receive a discount on your annual membership. So let's get right into this match. This was one that didn't look like it would come down to the wire, but it did. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, so we'll start running with uh, your Firebird Soccer recap. Uh, as it was uh, written up by Mark Murray, if you want to uh, read a little bit more in depth, but we'll kind of run through that a little bit. Uh, the match started off a little bit slowly uh, with the ball bouncing back and forth, a little bit of a feeling out. Uh, period, and in the 22nd minute, we have a Joe Farrell header that finds the back of a net off of, off of the Solomon Asante corner kick. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that goal a little bit later in the podcast. Uh, Phoenix was able to add to the lead with a uh, very solid goal uh, assist, with a hockey assist by goalkeeper Carl Wazinski playing a long ball up to Chris Cortez. Cortez plays it off his head. Uh, to uh, Kevon Lambert. Lambert plays it off of his head and places the ball in the back of the net for to put Phoenix Rising up uh, two to nothing in the, uh, let's see, that was the um, uh, 43rd minute. As we head into the second half, the second half really felt like it was all Colorado Springs. Uh, they put lots of pressure into Phoenix's uh, final third and off of a, uh, a shot outside of the keeper's box uh, on the ground. They squeeze a ball in past Wazinski. That ball was sent in by Saeed Robinson. Uh, switchbacks uh, continue to control the uh, contri- continue to control play as Phoenix sort of tried to bunker in a little bit uh, with just after that goal, we had a Jordan Burt cross 
with a follow-up from Shane Malcolm that forced Waz to dive to his left. There was a rebound that went off of the post and gave most of us a heart attack at that particular point in time. And the last 20 minutes of the game just had our hearts racing as we were uh, really barely holding on. But Phoenix Rising did hold on uh, to gain three points and get just a little bit closer to solidifying a first place uh first place in the standings and a home playoff match guarantee uh, that's a little bit a short recap of the game uh, Dom take us through the roster at, uh, that coach Rick Schantz put on the field and tell us a little bit about your thoughts on this roster yeah so a very mixed lineup uh, for Phoenix Rising, um, Devonte Debose gets his first start in some time. Uh, nice to see him get back out there. Uh, he's certainly capable back there. You know, other than that, not too many unusual things. Um, Amadou Dia left back, Defont and Farrell in the middle. Uh, Kavon Lambert, James Musa, and then uh, Colin Fernandez getting a start too. You don't see that every day, so nice to see him get out there. Um, you know, Awako, Asante, Cortez. So a pretty solid lineup with a couple changes. Um, changes that are refreshing that get new people in. Um, I was pretty impressed with Awako last night. He really had a good uh, match as the number 10 uh, before things got very defensive at the end there. Um, they were de Colorado Springs was definitely attacking uh, hard in that second half and challenging the defenders, but I thought for the most part uh, they held up well. And, you know, Farrell doesn't always get the start, but here he gets that start and scores a big goal to put us ahead early. You know, another one of those critical away goals early in the match that kind of sets the tone, puts us in a good spot. So I'm very happy with this lineup. Carl Wodzinski in goal. So in the lineup we uh, for this week, uh, it was pretty similar to the lineup that we had for the S2 match. Uh, trading uh, in, in, the, in the center field, um, getting Lambert back in the game, pulling Vega out uh, instead of uh, and, and placing Dubose uh, and Defont back in the match. But we do have a couple players that were missing from the field and missing from the starting 18 uh, for this particular match, and those were our um, those were our loaned loaned players. So Kyle, what are your thoughts on on the role of loaned players as we're coming into the end of the the season here? I think. We were we were kind of talking about it. It, it kind of looks like um, the lone players that we're going to be having for this run into the end of the season is is Shaft Brewer. He got onto the field late last night, made a little cameo, and I thought he uh, he looked pretty good out there for coming on in such a defensive period of the match. And then we also still have Saad Abdul Salam, even though he was on the injury report last night. Um, and we were talking about it. It looks like Tristan Blackman has gone back to LAFC. Um, and so he's most likely going to be with them now that we have this roster playoff freeze that's taken place. So it looks like those are going to be the lone players that we have right now. And I mean, for me, I, it's it's great that we've had those players that have been able to come in and make an impact during this r long run in part of the season. But I also think that we have enough depth on the squad that with or without these lone players, we should be able to get the results that we need on the field. And we did just that last night. So uh it was a great, great effort by the team. 
So that kind of brings us to our second topic here, um, and it's, it's really a great lead-in, uh, that here we're able to see uh, Joseph Farrell uh, get some playing time. He's lost playing time to Tristan Blackman, uh, with Blackman moving uh, back to LAFC, and, and he... This has already happened once this year, so uh, where he, he came here, then he went back to L.A., then he returned back to Phoenix, uh, and Blackman was recalled, but he did not play in the LAFC's game either, so we'll have to see what happens. But here we have Pharrell, who gets a chance to play and becomes an unlike well, I don't want to call it unlikely because he's scored some goals for us already, but an unlikely source of a, of a goal here uh on the uh, against the switchback. So, uh, Kyle, tell us a little bit about our goal scores for the match, and uh, give us your thoughts on uh, you know some of the the unlikeliness of, of who was able to place the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I don't think you guys will believe me, but as that corner was about to be taken, I I literally said it. My girlfriend can uh, can back me up on this. We need Joe Farrell to get a goal right now. I said, where's Joe Farrell? We need him to get up and get his head on the ball because we have seen, yeah, he hasn't had a huge starting role this year, but I think when he has been on the field, he's been one of our better, you know, our better players on set pieces. And last night, going into that 22nd minute, I mean, the match was just slow up until that point. And we all know Phoenix needs that early road goal to really get a result out of a match. And and I mean, just to see him get open and lose his guy and and the ball in by Asante was just perfect. I mean, all Farrell had to do was just glance the ball off of his head and it went right past Puwadi, the keeper. And um, I mean, it, it was just a great start. And I think that's really the goal that Phoenix needed because up until that point, it, it had been a slow match and it looked like Colorado Springs wasn't, they were sitting back and they weren't going to let Phoenix just take it to them. So, um, I mean, for us to be able to get that early goal was great. And then... As you said, a bit of a hockey assist. Bummer not to see Carl Wazinski get any credit for that goal, at least statistically. But, um, I mean, he made that play. You know, it was kind of just came out of nothing. We have a goal kick, and he's sending the guys forward. And um, Chris Cortez is able to knock down the ball to a, a wide-open Kavon Lambert, who also plays it with his head and then down to his feet and just rips a shot to the near post to beat Puwadi once again. And... I think when we were up 2-0 going into halftime, I really expected us to pile on the goals in the second half and to maybe have another 4-0 result. So um, the fact that it ended such a tight match was actually a bit of a surprise to me. I don't know if I was expecting that kind of a goal onslaught in the second half, but I was thinking it would be a match where we could kind of cruise, you know, settle into it. But that quickly was not the case once that second half got going. Even before the first Colorado Springs goal, you could tell they were creating the chances, getting that possession. So things changed quickly. Yeah, I, I definitely want. It was a huge surprise to me to see Kevon Lambert uh, be able to be put in that position. Uh, I, I guess I'm just so used to seeing him in that, in much more of a defensive midfielder role. To, so uh, he was just in the exact right right spot for Cortez to be able to. Uh, feed the ball over to him. He he played the ball cleanly off of his own head, and uh, his his poke shot. Uh, sometimes you see people, you see players with that real strong windup, and the defender has a chance to be able to step in front of it. And that poke shot uh, coming uh, going across Pawati was just really a, a perfect play. And it's so nice to be able to see Lambert come back from his international break. 
and play with that level of confidence. Uh, or at least that's how it felt to me. He, it just felt like he was maybe two inches taller uh, than what we've seen him normally play. And to be able to take that offensive role as opposed to uh, sitting back, uh, it, it was you know, a, a couple great plays from, from some players who maybe don't get, in, get as much credit as they need to because we spent so much of our time talking about Asante and talking about uh, uh, Cortez or, or talking about injuries or something like that. So I, I really enjoyed being able to see a couple guys that we don't usually see uh, scoring and, and have a chance to talk about something a little different here on the Rising Podcast today. <laughs> And I gotta say that finish by Lambert was very impressive. I mean, yeah, exactly. so was Farrell's, but Farrell, but Farrell, okay, it's a header. Like he specializes in those headers. I think all four of his goals this season have come off of headers, uh, set pieces. This one really is is like a tough finish here because Cortez does give him a good pass, but he has a lot to do. He has to weight that ball perfectly. If he if he takes a touch with his chest, defenders can catch up. If he kind of just nods it down or gets it stuck in his feet, they can catch up. But he put, and if he heads it too hard, the keeper's going to beat him to the ball. Instead, he puts the perfect touch on it, opens up a ton of space, and then he's able to take his time and knock it in with his side foot. I, for a defender or a defensive midfielder, I mean, that's so composed. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, we've seen in the past from Kavan where he'll have that opportunity and sky it over the bar and into the, into the stand. So um, just great, great opportunity there for him. And he definitely took advantage. And I think both him and James Musa, both of our center midfielder, defensive midfielders last night, they both had great matches. I saw a lot of movement from both of them, a lot of interceptions on the ball, and they both got really far forward I thought I mean as we saw right there you know Lambert being all the way up near the opponent's 18 and you know going into the 18 and getting a goal for himself so um I think I don't know if you guys saw his celebration afterwards he would he had a little bit more composure in the goal than he did in the celebration but uh you know it's great just to see that and I mean I know right now he's having a great time out on the field so when when the players are having fun you know and we're getting the results that we need uh just a great time for Phoenix Rising. So I know I, I, I did mention, hey, it was great to be able to talk about a couple guys that we don't normally talk about. But let's go ahead and talk about somebody who we do, norm, do normally talk about, and that's Solomon Asante. Um, here in this particular match, we see uh, uh, both Solomon Asante and Chris Cortez, our number one and our number two goal scorers, acting uh, in, in more of an assisting role, uh, Cortez with an assist and Asante with an assist. But one of the things that struck me last night uh, was just wanting to talk about a, a little bit about how Asante works the referees and how he works the clock and what he does because we did see uh, a, 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 I don't know, a, a Neymar-esque uh, sort of uh, action on the field when uh, Solomon Asante happened to have uh, somebody step on his foot, and uh, he goes down a bit. And, you know, it, it's really important. And look, look, we know that our listeners on this podcast are pretty sophisticated listeners. They, they know the, the game of football. Uh, they know that it's called football. Uh, they understand it. But it's really important to be able to see from your leadership on the field that sometimes when, when they're doing that, 
they're they're not doing that because they're terribly injured. I mean, I'm sure it it hurts when you get a, a stud in your toe, um, but this is a great this is a way that a smart player, a composed player like Asante, is able to slow down the game a little bit. He's able to see maybe my guys are a little bit winded. We're up at uh, a, a, what is it a mile and a quarter height. Uh, we're well above uh, above phoenix's atmosphere we need to get some things slowed down we need to be able to catch our breath maybe i need to roll around on the field a couple extra times in order for us to be able to get some water to regain some composure and maybe uh maybe catch our form a little bit more uh so that was that was sort of my perspective on on what solo's role was a little bit last night and the way he acts as captain uh, because sometimes you look at you look at a player reacting in that manner, and you think, well, we'd, we'd say maybe our maybe folks who don't watch as much soccer would say, oh God, look at all that acting. That's not acting. I mean that there is a place for that. That is an important role that has to get played as as part of the captain uh, of the team to be able to slow down the game and be able to shift gears because there's no timeout. There's no coach on the sideline going, hey, timeout, timeout, timeout. Everybody needs to come over, take a breath. You can't do that in in this game. Um, and uh, I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts? Give me some feedback. Or am I acting crazy here? Uh, I mean, I think Solomon Asante shows that he has quite the soccer IQ or football IQ, pardon me. But um, no, it's, I mean, it's part of the game. And I mean, another thing that I don't know if you mentioned it, I mean, we could say he was fishing for a yellow card in that situation, looking to, you know, maybe get the opponent in a little bit of trouble. And as you said, I'm sure that it did hurt Asante, but when he was rolling around as if his ankle had been chopped off, I think, yeah, we could all say that maybe he, <laughs> maybe he overreacted a little bit, but I mean, I don't, we see it all the time and we see it in all sports. Honestly, it's not just soccer. Yes, people will highlight it, but I've seen it in the NBA. I've seen it in the NFL. It, it happens in all sports that people do this. Um, and it's, no, it is, that like wasn't said, nearly as bad as Neymar. Let's no, just be clear. And, and, the, and the thing is with Neymar is when he does it, it is so outlandish. And then, I mean, he's such an icon. So it gets blown up it becomes a meme it, you know it becomes all these things but um i don't have a problem with it i mean i think it's like you said aaron he it's a tactical type situation a tactical injury if you will yeah um i mean it's, yeah it's good to catch for the team to catch its breath um and he just has a mind for the game he knows what works he knows what needs to happen in a situation and at that point they had been pouring it on us even before that Saeed Robinson goal um, we needed to just catch our breath for a second and quite frankly I thought that should have been a yellow card because he was touching the ball forward into some open space around midfield and the guy knocked him down I mean I think that's a yellow card uh, you know not every ref is going to see it that way certainly not USL pro refs but I think that's a yellow card now, is he embellishing it a little bit, of course, but really it did slow things down a bit for Colorado Springs. And, you know, you're not always going to be liked when you do things like that, but sometimes you have to use that pragmatism to get the three points. And I think we had a little bit of everything, pragmatism, luck, everything, to get those three points. Because 
I know we didn't talk in detail about what happened those last 20, 25 minutes of this match, but I think we have to talk about that right now because there, we really had no business winning that game. Um, it, you know, what was it, the 83rd minute or so? Um, Colorado Springs gets a great cross in. No one is marking on the back post, and I, I forget who got their header to this ball, but I thought for sure this was going in. Carl Wazinski was beat, just goes off the left post, and bounces right back in the middle where uh, Carl Wazinski does make a huge save. Um, so that preserved the lead. And then even in stoppage time, they had they had a cross whipped in in the 93rd minute and I don't know how the guy on that left post did not just get a touch to the ball. If he gets any touch to that ball, that's a goal. He can chest this ball in. He can head this ball in. He can scorpion kick this ball in. He can jump up and kick it in with his butt. That's how open the goal was. And he didn't touch it. And he, like, chose not to touch it. So it worked out for us. But it was crazy, that ending. Everyone was sweating all sorts of bullets. All right, so let's go back real quick to that 81st minute. Uh, that the uh, what it was uh, <clears throat> was a uh, Jordan Burt headed uh, uh, got his head on a cross. It goes off the far post, uh, falls back into play. Shane Malcolm from point blank range. I mean, he I don't know how he missed it, and somehow was with a dive to the left keeps the ball out of play. I mean, it really was exciting. Let me see if I can run this here. Hold on for one second, guys. Ready? One. Oh, no, I, the volume's not the high Bad enough. radio here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to try it, but uh, the volume's not up high enough on it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was a really... Let me uh, let me try to keep going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, it absolutely was. I'm sure USL is going to have this, so I'll I'll try to find it too. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Carl Wozinski, what can you say about him getting back into position there? And I I mean I would have to say in those last twenty minutes, I mean he is the player that kept us in this match because it it seemed like our defense was just out of sorts. Um, yeah, it looks like he gets his wrist to it almost there on that Shane Malcolm. Not much of a shot, but, you know, opportunity nonetheless. And, I, I mean, it really, this was, as you said, Dominic, I don't, I can't really definitively say that we deserve that win. I think a draw would have been a fair result because um, Colorado Springs dominated the second half and definitely the second or the last 30 minutes of the match. So um, Phoenix very lucky to come away with three points. But, I mean, th that's the difference between this season and last season is last season we maybe get one point, maybe nothing out of this match. And this season, we're able to walk away with all three points and stay in the first the first place in the Western Conference race. So, um, I mean, I'm just I'm just you know very thankful that this was over because the last when I saw five minutes of stoppage time, I knew they were going to be a uh, feel like five hours. <laughs> oh yeah, and in that case, it did not disappoint, but. Um... I'm still trying to find that play. I think it. I think it's on the highlights on the USL site. It's uh, let me see. Hang on. Here we go. 
So this the header that went off the post was actually a lot earlier, like right after they scored. 69th minute. Yeah, no, you're Hang right. On. The header off the post. I can play the audio for it after the goal. Into the run of play. Here's Syed Robinson on the far side. Syed yeah. trying to give it up to Jordan Perez. Oh, off the post, but the Switchbacks had a chance and then they got it blocked. Shane Malcolm was. <laughs> the announcer can't even use words right there. That's how nuts it was. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I mean, I. When I saw him take that header, I thought for sure that was going in, and it was 2-2. And at that point, I think I think we'd all agree that the momentum was in Colorado Springs' favor and uh, they were having control of the match. You know what? You're right. Yeah, it was in the 67th minute, not the 81st. What I'm looking at is is their highlights, and there was a lot of complaint complaints yesterday on the production because they would go back to replays and lose the live play so what i was looking at is they did a replay of the 67th minute goal in the 81st and Mm -hmm. it got me all confused sorry about that guys um you know let's talk for a moment real quick about the refereeing as well um just based off the commentating the referee was a guy named josh willens we've seen him before um, he, he's a uh, big, tall, bald guy, and uh, it was really interesting that the announcers dis- uh, threw some shade on him uh, because he did pull a yellow card out for James Musa um, uh, in the 78th minute. Musa fields the ball completely cleanly. There was no foul whatsoever, and I think the quote from the announcers was something like, Josh Willens is making his case for not refereeing any playoff matches. <laughs> so well, he, he went even further than that. This is Tyler Terrence we're talking about. He, he announces a lot of our matches. Um, so that, that call he had concerns about. And then did you remember the one in stoppage time where I want to say Shaft Brewer gets a ball on the edge of the box, gets it cleanly um, yes. in a really good spot. And the guy just kind of goes down. Like, he's not even looking for a foul. He just, like, goes down incidental contact after the ball's already been taken. And he blows the whistle there. And Terrence is like, wow, that's it. I'm done. I can't say anything. Like, he's he was just enraged. But I, I feel like the, the inconsistent calling went both ways because, you know, I didn't get a chance to look at any slow motion replays, but... There were a couple of Colorado Springs plays where they had penalty shouts and nothing was called. And like one or two of those looked like they could have been legitimate. Yeah, there, there was definitely some non-calls that were in the box that, you know, whether they were the right call or the not the right call, I don't know. But um, it could have been risky. So th- there was, you know, as long as it's questionable on both, both ends, I think I'm okay with that. Um, I don't know about you guys, but uh, that, that works out all right for, for me, so... All right. Uh, yeah. Let's let's move on. Any final thoughts about the uh, this particular match? Uh, I mean, no. I, I mean, it wasn't pretty, but uh, I don't think any one of us expected it to be. Um, but I mean, like I said earlier, we got the three points, and ultimately, that's all that matters. We can put it in the rear view and focus on St. Louis. All right. So let's move on to team news. Uh, th- the, there's not a ton of team news that, that we haven't covered already. We did talk a little bit about some roster stuff uh, in, in terms of Blackman and, and uh, what's going on with the roster stuff. But I think the biggest news is that uh, as of last week, 
uh, we clinched a playoff berth for uh, the second year in a row. So uh, that's that's pretty awesome. What are you guys' thoughts on being able to clinch so early? Uh, I, I think it's great. Um, I mean, I think it's going to be it's going to give our marketing team great opportunity to really push this first playoff match and to make sure that every part of the valley is aware that there is one professional sports team in Arizona that does make playoffs and we're actually going to have a home playoff match. So you better get your butts to Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex on the weekend of October 20th because I think uh, it's no doubt going to be rocking. But for me, um, we have a little bit more team news in that we set the team record, Phoenix Rising record, for wins and points in a season. And doing it at such an early point, um, I mean, it's really great. I think that we can set a very high bar for this team and, you know, one that hopefully they can continue to, to push to be record breakers. And, um, I mean, it's just right now everything's everything's looking on the up and we just got to keep trending that way. Right. And we can, we can get into USL scores and standings pretty quick, but... Uh, still control our, our own destiny for first place in the Western Conference. That's the important thing. Um, a draw would have had us requiring help from Orange County, but because we won, we still control our own destiny. Yes, we are two points down, or actually one point down right now, but we have that in, important match in hand on Orange County, and three of our final four matches are at home. So... Um, looking like a really nice end to the season. Did you guys have anything before we go into those USL scores and standings? Yeah, I want to give one more perspective, and, and uh, we have just about 10 minutes left here. Um, uh, so I want to give one more little piece of uh, information there. Uh, the Risings... Uh, the Risings... Home guarantee uh, magic number is three. We have nine potential uh, points left on our own, um, on our own, as well as potential losses. Twelve, for, twelve for, potential points left. Uh, I'm sorry, you're right. Twelve potential points left, uh, as well as with uh, potential losses from Reno and T2 that will give us that home guarantee. So, I know that we're sitting here and preaching to the choir, but. Bring your friends, bring your friends, bring your friends, and bring them to that home, that, uh, home, uh, home playoff game uh, when we finally clinch that. So that's good. All right, let's head on into to, uh, standings. All right, so, you know, we'll run through the scores first from yesterday before we get into standings. Um, so let's see here. First big score, Real Monarchs goes to LA Galaxy 2, and you're expecting, okay, they're at least going to get a draw. That is not what happened yesterday. This match ends 6-1 in favor of Los Dos. And that means that in two matches in Southern California this week, the Monarchs get outscored 11-3. to Not the kind of numbers that you're used to see seeing them give up. But it's been a worrying trend for them. I think everyone in the West is licking their lips, hoping they get to play Real Monarchs in that first round. And when we get down to the standings, they have to do work just to make sure that they get the whole match in that first round. Um, this one was over pretty early, 2-0 at halftime, and then Efrain Alvarez nets a hat trick in this one, um, you know, cementing his case to get up to the first team squad for LA Galaxy maybe next year but six to one 
Other matches, Reno and Las Vegas have an entertaining Silver State Derby. Um, three times in this match, Reno goes ahead, and three times those pesky llamas come back. It ends 3-3 after Raul Mendiola scores a brace, his second one equalizing things in the 90th minute. I would be pretty salty if I were a Reno fan right now because they are the team that has playoff aspirations, and dropping two points like that does not help. Other matches, St. Louis gets a massive 2-0 win over San Antonio at home. This was billed as a match you know, to decide their playoff hopes. And really, what can you say about St. Louis? Their last two matches at Soul Park Rangers versus San Antonio, you figure, best case, they're winning one of those matches, and then they're going to have a tough go of it to make the playoffs. They win both matches. In this one, Lewis Hilton breaks the deadlock in the 79th minute, and then uh, San Antonio picks up a red card in the 87th minute, and they get a second goal in added time for the 2-0. Absolute great job by St. Louis. And it's it's now looking like San Antonio, even if they win those last three matches, they might end up with 50 or 52 points, and that might still not be enough to make top eight, which is nuts. Other matches that are a little less important, um, Fresno and Timbers 2 with a 2-2 draw frustrating 2-2 draw for Timbers too. They had two penalties early and they were nursing that lead for almost the entire match. Um, but Fresno battles back goals in the 70th minute and the 95th minute to equalize there in Fresno. Very frustrating result for them. Um, Swill Park Rangers also drops a point. They have a 1-1 draw against Tulsa and it looked like they needed some big saves from Zendejas, their keeper, just to keep it at 1-1. Uh, Tulsa proving to be kind of scrappy for a lot of teams in the late season. Uh, and then results that are just not as important. RGV beats Sounders 2-3-0. Um, so those are our Western Conference scores. The only other one is OKC Energy against Sac Republic today. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on how everything shook out? I mean, just just wild. I mean, as you said, to see the Monarchs and see their last five games, they have four losses and one draw. I mean, I I think none of us would have anticipated this considering the run they went on to start the season. So, yeah, they really need to turn it around because, I mean, if you're looking at the standings, Sacramento has two games in hand on them and they're only two points behind. And Timbers, though they're even on games, is still only two points. So, I mean, it's possible that Monarchs lose home field advantage. So it's it's going to be really interesting coming down into it. And then, as we as you talked about, I mean, just St. Louis getting the results they need. And, and though uh, Swope and Reno didn't get wins, they still got a point, and San Antonio got nothing. So it really looks like for San Antonio, they're going to need almost a miracle for, to make it into playoffs. But it, um it's going to be interesting, I think, these last few weeks to see where everyone in the top eight lines up. Definitely. I mean, there. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so there's some games to watch. I mean, the most important games for us to be watching is is what remains in, uh, for Orange County and the Real Monarchs. Uh, and Mark Murray did a did a fantastic job in his preview for uh, this Colorado Springs match, putting together a little table. Here we have Orange County, uh, who only had they only have three matches left in the game or in the season. They play at Las Vegas. Uh, who's in, uh, currently 15th in the standings. They play Sounders 2 at home, 16th in the standings. And then they play uh, at Reno. And that, that Reno game is really the only serious challenge that Orange County has. Real Monarchs, with four games left in the season, they play at Los Dos. 
uh, Galaxy 2 at 13th, although, uh, I'm sorry, that's the game that, that played yesterday, uh, uh, that, that uh, they actually lost in. So they only have three games left. They have Colorado Springs, who uh, is sitting at 11th or so, OKC Energy sitting at 10th, Fresno uh, FC is sitting at 12th. So they don't have a ton of challenge, uh, a, a ton of challenge left in the uh, season. We definitely have a much more difficult schedule playing uh, St. Louis, playing a scrappy Reno team. Uh, we again play Las Vegas, but then we finish with Timbers 2, and Timbers 2 does have, uh, they definitely have some things to play for making their first playoff uh, and wanting to go into their first playoff match, um, I think, in their maybe in their history. So, Well, and they're, an and they're trying to get finish. home field advantage. Right now they're in fourth. So they could very realistically, I mean, they're they're level. They're almost level with Real Monarchs. They could jump Real Monarchs and get up to third place. They're gonna have stuff to play for for sure. Yeah, no, and that and that's what I was saying is, I mean, it is gonna be so tight. And I think earlier we were looking at that Timbers two game for the final home match of the regular season, and we all had you know warm fuzzy feelings about it now i mean i think that match is going to matter to both phoenix rising and timbers too and it's it's going to be a really tight match that's going to have a playoff atmosphere itself so it's i mean it's going to be very exciting but i mean it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see where all these teams you know line up and i think that you know as far as the the home playoff standings i think i really do think that Sacramento is going to get up to third, and I think that Portland Timbers too could possibly trump Monarchs and finish fourth. Yeah, I mean, so I guess the takeaways here are like one: how far can Real Monarchs fall? Because I don't see them having any chance to win the Western Conference now. There's the, the math just isn't going to work out for them. They have three matches left. Their max points is 63, and they would just have to have a total collapse. Um, so really, it comes down to us in Orange County, and you know we have to take care of our business so that we go into that last day with an advantage. Um, because if we need Reno to help us out that last day, nothing's guaranteed that that would be a bad situation for us. And then at the bottom, yeah, San Antonio has three easy matches down the stretch. Uh, I think they're all home matches versus Sounders 2 versus Vegas versus RGV. They could win all three of those and still miss the playoffs now. And I think that's I think that's what's going to happen. I think they'll get 50 points and miss the playoffs. Still, just unbelievable. I don't I don't know if there's ever been a playoff or a point total like that that hasn't made the playoffs. But um, that's kind of where we're at right now. So, with all that being said, what are your guys' closing thoughts for today? Uh, wasn't the prettiest result. But I mean, they Phoenix got what they needed out of out of Colorado Springs, and I mean, it, like I said, it's it's really just this week by week perspective that we need to have, you know, keep you know keeping our eyes on the on the other matches that are going on. But right now, Phoenix just has to get get three points out of every match, you know, and if we do that, we can proudly say that we're the Western Conference champions. So it's, I mean, it's it's great that we were able to get something last night, but it, I mean, it was worrying to me in the in the 83rd minute and in the you know as it creeps toward 90 that Colorado Springs was maybe going to pull out something but to see the resolve out of our defense and just I think the wherewithal I mean in in the elevation late in the season to be able to just hold on 
and you know scratch and claw our way to a two one win over a team that I think Colorado Springs has you know they've had a rough go of it this season. They haven't you know won a lot of matches that I think they they could have, and I think last night was a perfect example of that. So um, I mean great great for Phoenix, but I mean. They just need to keep putting in the work, and I think this next week is going to be just as tough of a test because St. Louis is fighting for their own playoff lives. So, you know, every ball is going to matter this uh, this next Saturday, and I think that all the fans are going to be excited to get out to the complex. You know, it's been a long time since we had a home match, so uh, hopefully it's a great one. I'm right there with you. I think we have a, a little bit of a rough road to hoe uh, with uh, St. Louis and Reno. Uh, coming up, and they're both fighting for their their playoff lives. And then uh, to finish with Timbers, who who's going to be fighting for a, for a top four playoff spot. I mean, Reno even has a shot at a top four playoff spot still. So, uh, I think if we can get through this next four games uh, uh, with uh, maybe a three and one record, uh, we will definitely be earning that first place uh, and and earning some home matches for the playoffs. So that's fantastic. All right, Dom, you want to finish us off here? Yeah, I mean, I think we. I mean, you got to take it one week at a time, but I don't think three and one is going to be good enough to get us that top spot. We have to treat every match like a cup final because the way Orange County is playing, one slip up by us, and then they control their own destiny. They win all, they win out, and they get it. So it starts with St. Louis. I'm going to do a little preview here um, for the match next week because this is going to be a war. They have four matches unbeaten. Uh, in their last four, they have three wins and a draw against quality opposition. These are all, you know, teams in the top nine of the Western Conference. 1-0 over Reno, draw with Monarchs away, and then their last two wins over Swope and San Antonio. Um, If you're looking at a lineup, it's going to be Corey Herzog and Kyle Gregg up top. Very solid, very quality strikers that don't need a lot of chances to take advantage. So we're going to have to lock them down. A lot of experienced guys throughout this roster. Joey Calistri, Kyle Culbertson, and Sam Fink in the back. Um, they are going to be a scrappy, gritty team. We need to play our best. We need to be on our A game and take those chances when they come. I, I don't see this being a blowout at all. I do see this, you know, maybe something stuns us like the San Antonio match, but St. Louis has been in great form. I would, I would not be surprised with a draw. We need to play at our best to get like a 1-0. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, if we're going to do predictions, I was going to say a 1-0. Um, if it's a draw, you know, a 1-1. But it is, St. Louis is not a team that concedes a lot of goals. They have a great defensive shape. And as you said, there's experience, a lot of USL experience all around the field for them. So this is going to be a very tough match um, to, you know, maybe not equally matched, but I think equally talented squads that, uh, you know, it should be entertaining out there. And a potential playoff preview. Yeah, yep, that's true. All right, so uh, we look forward to seeing you guys all out there at uh, Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex on Saturday, uh, September 29th. The game starts at 7 o'clock. It is the Mayo Clinic Rally Towel Giveaway that's going to go to the first 2,500 fans. And uh, this is Aaron Blau for Dom Kearns and Kyle Mackey and the Rising as One podcast. And uh, we are rising as one. Thank you, guys, and we'll see you in a few days. Go rising. Go rising.
And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.